evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome on into the Essie Scoops Pro Wrestling Podcast for Tuesday, November 21st, 2023. What's going on? I am your host, Zach Haydorn. Normally, I'd have Tyler Sage here with me, but Tyler had some... Uh, some uh, some day job stuff uh, <laughs> pop up for him at the last minute, and so it's just going to be me. I am going to do this thing solo with you, of course, and so thank you to everybody who is tuning in and listening and watching live. We certainly do appreciate it. We are live here on the SC Scoops YouTube channel with the SC Scoops Pro Wrestling Podcast every single Tuesday night, 9 Eastern, 8 Central. And we are just, uh, we're here to talk the, the news of the week in uh, in pro wrestling. Last week on the show, we did a, uh, a really big full gear preview. Uh, went through every single match and previewed it, analyzed the build, picked winners, talked about booking coming out of that show. Um, and just to recap, or not, not recap, but just to head back there first here, I thought full gear was a really good show for um, for AEW. I mean, I really, I thought it was a strong showing top to bottom outside of just some weird, bizarre booking choices, like trying to fake the audience out and make them think that Adam Cole is going to wrestle in the main event instead of MJF. Just silly, just silly. But when you take that kind of thing out and you, and, and it's like this for most AEW pay-per-views, when you take that out, and you just look at, hey, was it a good show? Um, man, yeah, I mean, top to bottom, like, goodness gracious. Like, that main event I thought was excellent. The Texas death match with Swerve Strickland and Adam Page, I mean, that's that's a defining match for um, for, for both guys, really, but especially for Swerve because it's a kind of a new territory for Swerve up at, uh, at that part of the, the card, and uh, he delivered in a major way. Um, so really good show. Um, top to bottom. Glad we covered it. Um, you guys can go back and uh, check out what we had to say about the show. I think uh, we were pretty we were pretty high on it uh, overall. Um, and so, yeah, you can check us out and uh, and see that show. But we're here every single week, and I'm glad you're here with us. Hello to Tracy in the chat. Hello to Sean in the chat. Hello to everyone else who is uh, joining us live and uh, and hopping on uh, the the channel here as I speak. If you're not able to listen to this show live every Tuesday, or if you just, you know, don't want to <laughs> be on YouTube for whatever reason, uh, you can download us as a podcast every single Wednesday morning. Um, we are on your favorite podcast feed. So whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, iHeart or wherever, um, this exact show uh, will hit uh, all your favorite podcast feeds in the morning. So subscribe there, subscribe here. Um, and we appreciate that. And hopefully uh, you get uh, your wrestling fix uh, from us every single week. I do have the Super Chats open and available uh, for you if you want to make a comment, uh, if you want to ask a question. Um, I will make sure to get to, to everything that comes in um, via Super Chat and make sure that uh, that uh, that we get to all your comments and questions. So with that said, we go from one crazy week in professional wrestling to another crazy week in professional wrestling. And this time it's on the WWE side of the aisle with Survivor Series 2023 in my backyard uh, here in Chicago, uh, about a 20 minute ride from my house. So I'll be in the building um, and you can follow me on social media, Zach underscore Haydorn for some pictures and analysis from in building. Um, that night, if you're so inclined. But with that said, and with that event happening this weekend, um, we are going to spend the majority of the show today previewing WWE Survivor Series 2023. So get your questions in, get your picks in and ready to go. And uh, we will just kick things off right out of the gate here talking about um, the men's war games match first. So I want to start with this because there's a there's a lot. Well, you know what? Let me let me back up. Let me back up for a second. I don't know about you guys, and you can drop your comment in the chat if uh, if you're so inclined. But I have never been a fan of the Survivor Series pay per view, the Survivor Series concept. Like I always thought that it kind of masqueraded around the WWE 
pay-per-view calendar as a top four event, but it, it never really was to me. Even back in like the the days of the Attitude Era, I always like was like, okay, you know, yeah, I get it. You're gonna have two teams collide, five on five, four on four, whatever. But like, it just never lived up to the hype, in my opinion, I guess. And I'd always preferred to see, you know, regular one-on-one matches for championships. And I've just felt too often Survivor Series just went away from that. And then after the Attitude Era, they started, and when once the brand split happened, they started to do, you know, the brand versus brand, brand supremacy, Raw versus SmackDown, and all the silliness that went on for years in, in that space. Um, and it just was a concept that I thought really wore out its welcome, um, in, in, in a, in a big, big way. And last year was the first time that I thought it got injected with some energy thanks to the war game stipulation. And I think that's a big part of why this event, you know, feels, you know, special, I guess, or more special than survivor series in general. Because you have this rare match that only happens once a year. Um, and we know <laughs> we know what happens when WWE can get into a position where they've got these gimmick matches like lined up on a calendar. It always felt that they were just kind of like, oh man, wow, it's TLC next month. I best we better. We better build up a TLC match or go, goodness gracious, it's Hell in a Cell. That's coming up. We better build a Hell in a Cell match in, in two weeks. And, you know, that never that never worked out. Yeah, you got to the match, and some of the matches were good. But my opinion on it was always, hey, you know these events are happening. You know they're coming up. Like, let's build for them. Let's pretend like we know they're on the calendar and actually build to them. And I feel so much better about Survivor Series this year than even last year because mainly this men's war games match. This men's war games match has been a match that if you give, you know, you got to give WWE credit for. Like this has been ongoing between the Judgment Day and everybody on the babyface side of the aisle, minus Randy Orton. We'll talk about him in a minute. But Everybody else, Cody, Seth, um, uh, Sami Zayn, like Jey Uso, like that has been a feud on Monday Night Raw in some capacity. Cody Rhodes wrestled Dominic Mysterio at, at Money in the Bank or whatever it was. Like it has been going on for a while. And so I like that things have now come to a head and built up over a long period of time where this war games match makes perfect sense. It makes sense to do this match now. And that's what I like most about this event. It feels like it's anchored with a true main event with stakes and a serious match. That's going to take place inside of a very serious, dangerous structure in war games. It's a specialty match. It's a specialty pay-per-view and it's going to be the, you know, the, the, the playing field, if you will, for a very serious um, and meaningful feud. And you just don't see that often enough in, 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 uh, in WWE, especially um, other companies too, but, but, you know, WWE for sure, especially in a few years past. So I've really enjoyed the fact that they've took the time to, to tell this story. I think there's, there's people out there for sure that will be like, ah, this thing has been going on too long. And, oh man, like, you know, I, I can't wait for this to end. And it's like, okay, yeah, there's there's probably some of that there. I, I get that. It has been going on for a long time. But um, this is the blow-off, I think, anyway. Like, I don't know how you get bigger than bigger than, uh, than War Games. So I am super high on this. And this match, this men's War Games match, is is why. Let's, uh, let's start with a super chat from Sean, a friend of the show, friend in general. Sean, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for the uh, the contribution on the super chat. I appreciate it. Sean, he says, I'm excited about the show. The storytelling has been very compelling with many in many ways. Who do, you, who do you think wins? I'm thinking the faces win just to keep the stress with the judgment day. Glad Randy Orton is back. 
Great comment, Sean. Um, and yeah, like, so let's break this thing down. Let's break this thing down. And I think, Sean, um, as we do that, we will get to a solid answer to, to your question here. So we've got on the babyface side of these, we got Cody Rhodes, we got Jay Uso, we got Sami Zayn, we got Seth Rollins, and then we have returning Randy Orton. And then on the heel side, we've got Judgment Day, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, JD McDonough, and then Drew McIntyre, who is joining Judgment Day for 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 this for this match, or so he says. Man, there's a ton there. <laughs> I mean, th- there are storylines between all of those folks within that match on multiple levels. Like, let's start with just what's happening on their own teams, right? You have Drew McIntyre and Damian Priest who have kind of butted heads a little bit. Now that Drew's on the team, Priest was the was the captain, right? And Drew comes in, kind of overshadows him, but gets the job done. Wins the advantage match this week on Raw to get the advantage for his team in, in the War Games match. But you do have that 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 dichotomy there. You've got everything with JD McDonough and Finn Balor going on. Damian Priest. Not so sure about J.D. McDonough. Finn Balor, very close with J.D. McDonough. Therefore, tension between Priest and McDonough, but also tension between Priest and Balor. So that drama is happening on the heel side. On the babyface side, it's even it's 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 even worse in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, because you have Jay Uso there, who has beef with most of the people on his team. Cody and Jay have squashed it, but. There's history there. Remember WrestleMania. Um, Sammy and Jay squashed it, but obviously there's history there. Randy Orton and Jay Uso have history. Jay Uso was a contributor to putting Randy Orton on the shelf uh, from a you know from a kayfabe storyline perspective. So you have that happening, and then you have Randy Orton coming back to Monday Night Raw. And not, I mean, it's Randy Orton, <laughs> right, guys? Like, we who knows where where that guy stands? So it's like there's so many angles even within within the teams themselves. And then once you get to crossing teams, you know, look, Cody Rhodes has had singles matches infused with most of uh, with most of Judgment Day: Balor, Priest, Dominic Mysterio, right? Drew McIntyre and Cody are at odds because Drew didn't like that Cody brought Jay over to Raw. So now that there's tension there, there's drama there. We know the tension that's there between Drew and Jay. Sami Zayn has been embroiled with the Judgment Day ever since he was a tag team champion with Kevin Owens this year. And and then, you know, Seth, same thing. You know, you've got uh, Drew McIntyre on that side who lost to Seth Rollins at, uh, at Crown Jewel. You've got Seth... Um, always kind of looking over his shoulder for Damian Priest as he cashes in, uh, or will he cash in his Money in the Bank briefcase? And then R- Rollins and Finn Balor had multiple pay-per-view matches uh, this summer for Seth's World Heavyweight Championship. So that's their personal rivalry within like individuals on the team. And then just collectively, you've got the team versus team. You've got the good guys, Team Cody, the bad guys, Team Judgment Day colliding head on. I mean, and we just spent about five minutes talking about this and like talked through so many different compelling angles that the match can take. And how are they going to, how are they going to build it? How are they going to build the match? Um, And so I, I just, I think this has just been so well done. And as you say, Sean, the storytelling has been compelling. And I think part of the reason why it's been compelling is that it's, it's, there's so much of it. There's so much narrative around it that it's, it's going to be hard to make a mess of this (laughs) because there's so much there to, to play with. And there's so much there to play off of. So they've built this brilliantly. It's one of the better multiple person matches that WWE has built in a, in a very, very, very long time. I mean, like you go back to like the days of 2001 where they were doing the Alliance against team WWE or the invasion matches, like even that, I don't think holds a candle to this. I mean, that wasn't very good. Obviously we, we know 
the issues there. But at the time, you know, that, you know, you looked at that and you're like, wow, this is, these are huge multi-person matches, huge. And you, you know, you, we, we tried to get behind it, even though it was a weak way to do the invasion angle, admittedly. But this is significantly more compelling than that, in my, in my, in my opinion. I think it's significantly more entertaining. Now, the Randy Orton factor, very interesting. We saw last week. If you didn't catch Raw last last night, Cody Rhodes uh, called in a favor to his old legacy partner Randy Orton. Um, Orton agreed to join the team. We did not get a uh, an appearance from Orton, and which was which was interesting. But ultimately, I think the right call. I, I think it was smart to just save the pop for the pay per view. Make people watch the pay per view. I mean, yeah, would it have made for a cool TV moment? Absolutely. I think it it would have. Um, but you know, promoting is promoting, and they want people to watch on Peacock. So. You know, do the big return there. Um, why, you know, why not? Why not? That's where that's where the big showdown is going to take place. It wouldn't have made sense from a storyline perspective anyway to have, you know, the team run around to try to find an opponent or find a partner. And then, oh, all of a sudden he's just there. I think that would have been a little too convenient. So I'm okay with that. And I think it's going to be a huge reaction for, um, for Orton when he comes out. The I don't know if you guys saw this, and I'll throw it up on on uh, SE Scoops social media, and my social media already has it. But they released some some really cool Randy Orton merch today. So like he's you know he's coming back with uh, with the machine behind him, uh, of course, in in a lot of ways. And so I, I think it was smart to to delay this. Um, Orton is an interesting X factor here because. In terms of when I look at like the possible outcomes, Sean, I think what you say here is plausible, like and, and all, almost like most likely uh, faces win. They win because of drama on Team Judgment Day. Orton gets his, you know, big moment as a returning star. RKO, one, two, three, big pop. Babyface goes over and Orton just gets to kind of pose as the show ends, right? Like classic babyface victory. But it is Randy Orton. So I don't want to like completely discard the possibility that Orton, you know, could be in this match, but could turn on Cody Rhodes. I mean, that'd be an interesting, you know, match to happen, you know, throughout the winter here as the as the WWE main roster goes into a lull on pay-per-view. You can, you know, you can build up Orton versus Rhodes if you want to. Um, that can be something. And if that happens, <laughs> you know, then Orton's a heel and, you know, you, you go from there. Orton and Jey Uso. Maybe Orton turns on Jay. They've got history. Last night on Raw, when Cody was making the announcement about Randy Orton, man, like they were catching shots at Jay who looked concerned. Why? Well, because there's history there. Jay was responsible for, um, Jay was responsible for, uh, taking out Randy as part of the bloodline, which is why Randy's been on the shelf from a storyline perspective. So you have, so you have that angle. Maybe Randy Orton wants to go for the world title. So, okay, Seth, you know, I bring this up, not because I think it's going to happen because I, because I don't, but it, it's just, you can't discount the possibility because of what we know about Randy Orton. He's a better heel than he is a baby face, but he's cursed with, <laughs> being a legacy star in WWE that people want to see with a finisher that people love. <laughs> That's not a good combination if you're trying to be a heel, um, but it's out there. We saw Orton, you know, this reminds me of a potential turn. Like if, if Orton were to turn heel on Saturday night, it, it would remind me of his turn on edge after Edge's return at the Royal Rumble, right? Where you thought they were all buddy-buddy and friendly, and then boom, out of nowhere, Orton attacks. Now he's a heel. He's got the ready-made feud. So that's what a heel turn would remind me of here. In the end, though, I think this match will come down to drama and, you know, dysfunction on the Judgment Day side of things. I mean, and that can happen in a multitude of ways. That can happen with Drew and anybody really that can happen with um, JD too, you know, that he either gets in the way or doesn't hold up his end of the bargain or costs, 
you know, accidentally costs Damian Priest, you know, uh, to be uh, removed from the match because he got pinned. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot of different ways they can go to to tell that story that that protects Judgment Day a little bit, but gives the baby faces that definitive like one, two, three victory and celebration with um with the audience. And I I think that's what's going to happen. I I, I think that Sean, you are right on the money here. I think the baby faces are going to win this thing. I think the Chicago audience, like they packed a lot of people into the Allstate Arena. Like I'm really looking forward to being in that building this weekend because. Uh, you know, normally they can get like 9,000 in there or like I was there for WrestleMania 22 and it was, I mean, obviously you look at WrestleMania now and you're like, how did they have WrestleMania in the Allstate arena? But you know, it's a small venue. It's not, it's not big. And it's going to be fun to see that place without the stage. I don't think they're going to have the, the humongous stage that, um, that WWE is known for. I mean, obviously they'll have their, their great production, but you know, they've decided to put, bodies in there. Um, and I just think that it's going to be a thing where that audience is going to be going home happy. Like this just seems to me that that's the way this is going to go. Plus if this is the blow off feud or not feud, if this is the blow off match to the feud, like you got to have the baby faces go over, you know, Darth Vader can't win in the end. It's gotta be the baby faces that go over in the end here. Like that's, how this story ends the good guys vanquish those 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 bad guys and i and i am uh, i'm pretty convinced that that's going to happen lastly as far as the result goes if you look at the two war games matches and this doesn't matter really like it you know, ultimately you book how you want to book you know you should take into account you know certain outcomes of certain matches when you're putting everything together but it doesn't really matter if there's a good reason to book a certain way but, and I'll get to this more as we preview the women's war games match, that match seems ready-made to be won by the heels. And so, you know, maybe you want to give the fans something <laughs> to, to like hang their hat on as a reason that they came and had fun and saw their, saw their stars, uh, saw their stars win. And this would be the match to do that because I think it's more important to, you know, have that heel group of women damage control um, get that win after kind of re-solidifying themselves as a group. And we'll, we'll talk about that more later, but all of that added together, baby faces win this thing in what I think is a really well-built match and a match at survivor series that I actually am looking forward to seeing. And it's been a long time since I was able to say that even when they would do like the champion versus champion matches and Roman would fight drew or, Brock would fight AJ Styles or Brock would fight Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan. Like those were a fun matches, but like they were not of no consequence. And that's what survivor series typically feels like And this match, this war games match flips the tide on that. I think that there's a lot riding on this. I think there's a lot there. There are stakes. Um, and it makes things so much more, so much more refreshing. Let's go to another super chat from Sean. Um, talking about Drew's heel turn specifically. I'm really enjoying Drew's heel story. I love him as a face, but this will freshen him up in a big way and he will have more fun matches, Cody, etc. Man, <clears throat> I couldn't agree more. And thank you so much, Sean, for um, the super chat and the contribution. Um, the super chats are open, folks. So if you are listening live, uh, we certainly would appreciate the support and uh, it really helps us keep the show going. Um, and, uh, you know, we appreciate everything you guys can contribute big, small, <laughs> or in the middle. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Um, I'm really liking the turn too. It, it helps raw as a whole, you know, I think just because it's a fresh act, like it's a, not a fresh performer, but a fresh act. And you put him in the ring, as you said, with anybody and it instantly is fresh. Seth, fresh match. Cody would be a fresh match. Uh, Randy Orton would be a fresh match. Um, you know, we've already seen um, him and Jay, I guess, but you can still tell that story. But in addition to all the good matches that are out there, I just think that he, as a heel right now, like has put himself at the top of the show where it's like he was behind Cody, he was behind Seth. And when you're third from the top babyface on Raw, you know, you're not lost in the shuffle. 
but you're not in the mix either. Like you're in that weird no man's land. And, you know, Drew, I just don't think he can be a guy that's in no man's land. Like if he's going to be out there, like he's too imposing. He's too like dominant. He's too much of an alpha to like not be in the thick of things at the top. Um, And this heel pivot has put him in a position where he can be that again. I thought the promo that he cut on Raw was probably his best promo in WWE, period. And I don't know if that's saying much because, you know, I mean, he's a good talker, but he just doesn't have a lot of those memorable moments where you're like, well, you remember like, oh, Drew, I remember that Drew McIntyre promo. I think people are going to remember this one. I think people are going to remember Drew out there juggling all, (coughs) excuse me, all that he was juggling with this promo. I mean, look, he had to juggle like turning heel. So he had to address what happened with Jay. In a, in a in a reasonable way, he had to reveal whether or not he was joining Judgment Day, and he had to dress that and thread the needle there. And then he had to like counter that point with, "But I am going to join uh, Judgment Day for War Games." That's a there's a lot there. There's a lot there, and a lot of that stuff that's there, like count counter, you know, counteracts each other. Like it doesn't they don't doesn't run connected. Like it runs counter. Like. You're not joining Judgment Day, but you're going to be on the Judgment Day team. How do you explain that? And I thought he did a really nice job of just breaking it down. Like, hey, like, this is why I did what I did. Jay, you took a moment away from me in, with, in front of my family because of your family. And now I took a moment away from you, you know, and I'm never going to get over it. And if you and to the fans, if you can't understand why, then you were never on board to begin with. Like, that's heelish in nature and in by definition but if you're watching that promo you're kind of nodding along going yeah well yeah i mean he's kind of being a jerk about it but i get it but i get it and i think that's exactly what he was going for um same thing with the judgment day thing like hey i'm i'm not joining judgment day you guys know me right i'm not the kind of guy that joins a group like that however they can offer me being on the opposite side of Jey Uso in a, in a cage. So I'm going to take it because I care about me. Reasonable, right? Kind of mean, kind of jerky, but reasonable at the same time. And I think that's exactly what, um, this is exactly what he was going for. And I thought he just hit a home run as far as that goes. So yeah, Sean, I, I uh, completely agree. Um, thanks so much for the, the super chat and for, for joining us live. Yeah. I'm going to, play this uh veer away from format here and, and drop this in there you get so many fun shows yeah i mean chicago gets some good shows we really like the last you know the, the last you know 10 years for sure um but post pandemic like we've had a ton of stuff a ton of good stuff so hey you know, keep it coming, I guess but also spread the wealth too wrestling companies spread the wealth uh, <laughs> as well all right, so that's men's war games. Let's um let's talk next. Uh, Santos Escobar versus Carlito. Another a, a low card program here on the show. Um, I don't expect this match to get a ton of time, but they've they put a lot behind it. You know, they've given it a lot of time on SmackDown. You know, Santos Escobar. Um, if you've watched his work in NXT and you haven't, check it out on Peacock. It's worth it's worth looking at. He, he can play heel, I mean, really well. And not only can he play heel, but he can play it in like a vicious, dangerous way. Like he's not, he's not a Miz heel out there, or he's not a Grayson Waller heel, or he's not a, um, <clears throat> excuse me, an Austin Theory heel. That's not, that's not his shtick. I mean, he's a lot more serious and a lot more credible. Um and this past week on SmackDown, you know, I thought you saw that on display for the first time, you know, since he joined the main roster, like seeing him out there kind of owning that moment and, 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 you know, holding it down um, as, as, as a heel and holding down really a whole angle and a whole, and a whole feud by himself without, without Rey Mysterio. I thought he articulated his point. Well, I thought he played off uh, other members of the LWO. Well, he's got it. Um, Carlito is going to be out there fighting for on behalf of Ray, I guess, you know, in not, not directly, but 
you know, he's trying to hold up the honor of the LWO and hold up the honor of Rey Mysterio. This is a match that, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing. And it's one of those matches where I thought to myself as I was like kind of getting ready for the show tonight, like, man, it's been a, it's been a while since you've had like meaningful mid card or even low card um, feuds in WWE. I mean, gosh, how many times would we watch a pay-per-view and, you know, the first three matches would just be of no consequence at all. You know, maybe they got a couple of weeks of build, maybe not. Maybe they were announced the show before, um, but just no, no consequence in general. And here, like this is in all likelihood, you know, the, the, the lowest match on the card, like the, the match that's least important, but man, does it have a lot going on? <laughs> we just got a lot happening in it. Like it's got a big story at the root, at the core with Santos Escobar and, um, and Rey Mysterio. And this is a chapter in that, in that story and in that, that book. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out to me. Look, this is a clear, this is a clear Santos Escobar win. You know I mean? Look, he, he's the heel here. He's going to be the guy that, that carries this thing with Rey Mysterio. He's the guy that got the Rey Mysterio rub when he beat up Rey Mysterio and, and you know, put him out of commission uh, by injury. Like he's the guy he needs the focus. And so, you know, you're not going to see him get beat by Carlito here um, because if and when that moment happens, that's got to be Ray. Like that has to be Ray that does that. It can't be Carlito here on, you know, on a week's, on a you know week's build. So this match has a lot happening. It's got a lot going on. There's a lot there. Um, but I think it's going to be a very one-sided, um, a one-sided match because it, it should be like, this is, this is about Santos Escobar. Um, yeah, Sean, I'm, I'm, I think this is going to be a, a good match. I think we don't know what Carlito has <laughs> from an in-ring perspective. Like we just, we don't like we've seen him in some tags, but this will be his first chance on like a pay-per-view or a PLE to really go out there and show what he can do, you know, and show what he's got left in the tank. And he's got a good dance partner in Santos Escobar. I mean, that guy, that guy can work. Like I said, if you didn't, if you haven't checked out his work in NXT, um, please do so because uh, it's really good. <laughs> Not just the matches, but the stories too. Um, and so, yeah, I encourage you guys to do that. Uh, but this, this has Santos Escobar written all over it. If there's one match on the, on the show that I'm, almost 100% certain of <laughs> it's it's this one it's this one and the reason is because you know Santos Escobar is you know he's he's the focus you know just like MJF was the focus of that uh of the of the pay-per-view at full gear right and I know you know I know Jay White you know kind of kind of got sacrificed you know for <laughs> for for MJF but my opinion on that is just you know sometimes that has to happen in order to get other stars over and MJF's more important than Santos Escobar, albeit on a totally different level is more important now. And so he gets the, uh, he gets the W uh, without, without question, without question. Um, all right. Women's world championship, Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Stark. Uh, boy, oh boy, guys, <laughs> this one could have used a little juice this week. I mean, I like <laughs> you had a, a, a fine vignette. You had a fine vignette with, uh, with Zoe Stark talking about how she's going to beat Rhea Ripley and, and how, you know, Ripley's not paying enough attention to her and not worried enough about her. And she's going to make her pay and win the world title. You had that. And you know, look, a for effort <laughs> that. That's low-hanging fruit in terms of like how to build a, a feud. It's better than nothing. It is better than nothing, without question. It's better to do that than to do nothing and just put it on pay-per-view. But because you had barely had Rhea Ripley this week even talk about the match, I mean, she was heavily, you know, uh positioned on the show and featured on Raw, but it was in conjunction with the men's. War Games match because she was so influential in bringing Drew McIntyre over and keeping the peace within Judgment Day. Like, that was her focus. And it's like, <laughs> Rhea, you probably should bring up the fact that you have a title match at least once. 
you know, give something to, to Zoe Stark yourself or her a little bit in terms of being kind of concerned that you might lose your title. And we just didn't get that. So if you're holding Zoe Stark stock right now, you're not feeling too good about it. Uh, because if Zoe was going to win the, the title, they, 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 they would, they would have done more to, to, to tell that story. They would have done more to, you know, to position her in a way that was truly threatening. Um, to Sean's point here in our super chats, this is Rhea wins, but I like Zoe's confidence. Her promos are getting better, and I think this match can help her a lot. That is 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 there. Like this is going to be a moment for Zoe, right? It's going to be a moment for her on a card that doesn't have a lot of matches, um, where she can hopefully get some time and show. What kind of what kind of match she can have with the best women's wrestler in in WWE and Rhea Ripley? Like this is the big opportunity for her to show that and to step up her game. I think she has gotten a little bit better. I think Zoe Stark's biggest problem right now isn't her confidence. I mean, she clearly has confidence, um, and her promos are getting better, but she's really not pro- not well defined in terms of in in, in terms of how the audience is supposed to feel about her. Like in this instance, she's positioned as a babyface, kind of, but like significantly less cooler than than Rhea Ripley. Like I think that Chicago audience is gonna be firmly on the side of, of Rhea Ripley, you know, because Ripley's just got that it factor. She has that 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 going on. She just has the cool factor right now. And it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a thing where Zoe's really gonna have to do some work to get that audience on her side. I don't even, I don't know that she can't, and I don't even know that's her fault. I mean, it's a little her fault. She's in the match, but the question of should she be in the match with such a not undefined character? That's more of the issue, and she's going up against a juggernaut right now in Rhea Ripley. Like, there's just no stopping that momentum. So she, Zoe Stark's in a in a in a, in a really really tough in a really tough spot here. Um, but all she can do, all she can do, and the best way for her to get something out of this match is to have a great match with Rhea Ripley. You know, and then let the chips fall where they may. It's a tough spot, but um, yeah, no, she's she's not winning this, and. Uh, I I would be I would be shocked and it's just you know it's not because she hasn't gotten better it's not because she's not confident it's not because you know she you know won't be a world champion someday who knows but it's not her time right now it's all it's all Rhea Ripley hello Hazan who just joined us in the chat uh appreciate appreciate you being here as well as everybody else thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you um we are here once again every Tuesday night, 9 Eastern, 8 Central. This is the SC Scoops Pro Wrestling Podcast. Um, and uh, we're here on YouTube. You can find us on your favorite podcast feed the following morning. If you just don't want anything to do with YouTube, we're in lots of different places. Normally, Tyler Sage is here with me, a partner in crime and uh, someone I really like talking wrestling with. But uh, he is out, out, uh, out on assignment today. Uh, but I have all of you, and uh, so I do appreciate it. And uh, everybody who's watching live, thank you, thank you. Let's keep it rolling here. Let's talk Gunther versus The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship. And I think we're going to have a bit of a polarizing discussion on this. Um, so let let me start big picture here. And I'll start on the, the Gunther side of things. Holy cow. That guy has taken this opportunity – as Intercontinental Champion, and man, he just ran that ball all the way down the field and is in the process of just spiking it into the end zone as hard as he can. I mean, this this run that Gunther is on is tremendous. And I, look, Walter on Independence and Walter in NXT UK and and then Gunther in NXT, I mean, he, he like, he was a strong character, but I don't think anybody was expecting this from him because it's, he's not just having good matches anymore. He's cutting good promos. He's carrying himself like a big time 
main event level act um, and doing so in the WWE way, right? Like I put a lot of stock in that. I put a lot of stock in, you know, X talent figuring out how WWE wants their show to run, figuring out how WWE wants their characters to be, figuring out how WWE wants them to, to just operate in the ring and on the mic and then doing that because why wouldn't you that's where you work <laughs> and i think a lot of times people push back on that i mean you know cm punk <laughs> certainly did um and here you have gunther who's just out there doing his thing figuring out what they want and doing it at the highest level possible and he's elevated himself to a massive level i mean i think you're talking about a guy who could be in a world championship match at WrestleMania this year, not against Roman Reigns, but you know, a Seth Rollins opponent. He's a really, really strong act right now. And in addition to, you know, being over himself, the key thing that stands out with Gunther is the fact that he elevates everybody who's in the ring with him. Like Roman Reigns does that too right now. And, and and I don't necessarily mean like, oh, after you work with Roman Reigns, like you're, you're all, you're, you're great. And you're at the top of the card for forever. I don't, I don't mean that. I mean, in the moment when you're working with Roman Reigns, like, are you delivering the best that you've delivered? And are you clicking with the audience in the best way that you've had? And I think you can say Roman Reigns opponents can say that, you know, pretty much straight through everybody. Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, um, Brock Lesnar, Rey Mysterio, even somebody like Matt Riddle, I think can can say that. And Edge, not so much, but um, <laughs> Brian Danielson, yeah, you know, kind of, but a little bit of a different story there because Danielson is returning guy, and 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 that's and that's you know, it's a whole different whole different thing with him, um, but. Gunther is starting to be able to say the same thing. Like Ricochet, awesome work with him. Riddle, when he was there, awesome work with him. Um, the Nakamura and it did that thing, like awesome work there. Like there's just a lot that you can point to where people have been elevated. I'm text getting a text here. I'm seeing if it's a uh, uh seeing if it's if it's Tyler who's gotten back or he's still on the road. Um, he is not. Oh. Oh man! Oh, we'll we'll catch him next time. We'll catch him next time. Um, so Gunther elevates his opponents, and in this instance against the Miz, I think that that is abundantly clear. We've seen the Miz as a babyface, and it hasn't worked. I mean, it just hasn't worked. Like, I don't think. Miz, and maybe it'll change now, but to this point, Miz just hasn't really had, like, the babyface story, really. Like, I think he's a lot like Randy Orton in that regard, where it's just there's something about his personality that makes him better as a sparmy, arrogant heel. Like, it's just, you know, Charlotte Flair, same thing. Like, you try her as a babyface, but it just doesn't, just doesn't quite stick the landing on it. And Miz is the same way. In this feud, though, because Gunther is such a, um, it's because Gunther is such a strong heel, and because he's so believable as this like dominant intercontinental champion, and because he can be so dismissive, and he backs that dismissiveness with credibility, it helps make Miz like when Miz talks about bullying, like. Well, he's got the ultimate bully right across the ring from him. And that is like so well defined that it's that is easy to, you know, get cheered when you're working against Gunther. I fully expect Miz to get like to have the entire audience on his side come the match uh, at Survivor Series against Gunther. Like, I really think that that's that that's in the cards. I think he's like Gunther is such a strong heel right now that I think Miz is going to have to just go out there and wrestle him. And, and, and Miz can be his kind of confused <laughs> uh, babyface self, and it's still going to work opposite Gunther. 
Their promo segment this week on Raw, thumbs way up. It got into a little bit of like a meta territory. I was listening to, um, I was listening to uh, Wade Keller um, and uh, the the post show over at uh, pwtorch.com uh, this morning, walking the dog, and you know Wade mentioned that like, hey, it's a little you're getting a little meta when you start talking about you know Miz getting kicked out of the locker room or stars that he respected bullying him. Like nobody really. Nobody really knows that story. They haven't really told that. But because Gunther delivered the line the way that he did, like he was so dismissive of Miz. And you were able to just kind of connect with Miz once that happened and go, God, Miz, like you got to beat this guy. You got to put this guy in his place. Like, come on, you know, like <laughs> hop, hop to it. Um, and and just Gunther's mannerisms, man, the smirk. The smirk that he had on his face yesterday when Miz was talking, like, man, I mean, could you get more arrogant? Can you get more overconfident? Except that it's not overconfidence because he backs it up every time. And that is where the nuance is with Gunther. And that is why he's able to elevate um, everybody he's been working with. He's so darn believable that you can put Miz opposite him. You can put Sheamus opposite him. You can put Drew opposite him. It doesn't matter. <coughs> Excuse me. He drives the ship because of how over he is. Um, and that is the sign of like a, a real, you know, budding superstar, especially in WWE, where you need guys who can do that and who can, you know, talk and do backstage stuff and perform in the ring. Like he's becoming like a jack of all trades WWE guy. And that is supremely valuable to WWE in, in, uh, in 2023. Um, with that said, yeah, Miz isn't winning here. <laughs> Not going to happen. Um, at some point, I think that they will have like a, a mid card guy beat Gunther to elevate said mid card guy, but really to get Gunther up into the world title picture. That is a, that is a certainty. It's just a matter of who that who that guy is. Like, is it maybe it's Carmelo Hayes? That's kind of been my that's kind of been my pick. That that's who it's going to be. That's a good way to introduce Hayes to the main roster in a big way. And you launched you know Gunther up, so it could be him. It, you know, maybe it's going to be like uh, maybe they want the IC title to be on the the waist of a of a bigger star. So maybe it's Randy Orton. I mean, Randy Orton versus Gunther sounds good to me. Maybe it's Jey Uso. Sounds good. That can work. Um, it's just not going to be the Miz. It's just not like, like Miz beating Gunther. That's hot in the moment. Maybe. <laughs> no, I think it would be hot in the moment. I think it would be, I think people would get behind that in the moment, but then, then what though? Then it fizzles away and you don't get anything out of the Gunther run. And Gunther has had such a strong run that there's equity there. Now there's something that he can pass on to somebody else to make them. And you just don't use that on Miz. You don't use it on Miz. I don't think you use it on Sami Zayn. I don't think you use it on Kevin Owens. I'd argue, obviously, of course, you don't want to use it on Randy Orton. It, it, you, you, you just, you can't. You can't. And Miz is not going to be that guy. So I expect a good match here. Um, but no, no way. Gunther to retain um, without question. Yeah, Azan in the chat suggesting a Ludwig Kaiser. Yeah, that could be, that could be, a you know, an avenue to go down for sure. You know, they, the, the WWE is clearly behind that guy. Not not behind him, but they clearly are looking in his direction <laughs> as, hey, this guy has something. Got a good look. He can wrestle. He can talk. Let's 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 see what he has. And so, yeah, you may see that 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 showdown take place. I think that'd be really interesting. I don't know that you want to get rid of Imperium yet, but but down the road, yes, I think that's a um, that's a possibility for sure. All right, and uh, the only other match that we haven't got to is the women's war games match, and it is uh, baby faces versus heels, just like uh, the men's. So we got Charlotte Flair, we've got Shotzi, we've got Bianca Belair, and we've got Becky Lynch against Damage Control, Asuka, Yosuke, Bailey, and Kyrie Say. So this match, not as um, <laughs> not as put together as the men's match is. Uh, Obviously, right? I mean, we just all this 
<coughs> excuse me, just went down, you know, a handful of weeks ago, you know, where the, the men's match has been brewing and building for months. This has had, you know, a couple weeks behind. So there's, so there's no way that you can, there's no way that you can get like this match as hot as the men's match is. Now, with that said, you know, if I'm not grading it on like, okay, does this, does this meet expectations that the men's match have set? I think that they've done some good stuff here. Like, you know, just like lower level stuff, but, but solid damage control, I think has been elevated. Thanks to Asuka and Kyrie Sane coming over. Um, I think that has helped kind of jolt that group with some energy. I mean, man, they were flat for the longest time. I mean, for most of the summer, that group was just kind of there and EO sky was just kind of there as champion. And it didn't have, there was no, there's no momentum. There was no intrigue. There was just nothing, nothing happening there. Um, now that you kind of injected the two new members, it, it has a little bit of swagger, you know, that's it, damage control has been in the main event the last couple of weeks. They've opened the show as well. Like they're getting positioned as, you know, top players on SmackDown, which is, which is interesting. Um, and then on the babyface side of things, you just you kind of have the stars, right? You've got Bianca Belair, you've got Charlotte, <coughs> Shotzi kind of sticks out. I don't look at her as a as a star, but but uh, but Becky Lynch certainly is a star, and so she rounds out the team, you know, the way the way that the way that she does. So I this match needs more depth. <laughs> I think it just needs more depth in general. This is one of those moments where. I have to be critical of the fact that like, Hey, you knew this was on the calendar, like build sooner. You don't got to throw everything in, in, you know, three weeks time. Um, so build a little bit sooner. And and what you get when you don't do that is a match that kind of feels a little bit thrown together, kind of feels built at the last minute um, and is just what it is. And I, and I very much think that, that this is an example of that. Like this is this is an example of that. Um, I'm with Sean, as I've been most of the show. Heels win. <laughs> I think the heels are going to win here. You know, damage control needs to keep up. They need they need wins. You know, they can't be seen as like the you know the the, the group that gets attention and then loses and then that's it. Like if you want to build them as a force to be reckoned with, then you've got to give them W's. And I think this is a perfect chance for them to do it because. You've got, you know, you've got like a hodgepodge babyface team on the other side put together. So I am going heels here. I think Shotzi is going to take that loss. Um, it's right there. You don't have to pin Charlotte. You don't have to pin Becky. You don't have to pin Bianca. You've got Shotzi there. Clearly, I think that's going to happen. Um, Sean's also asking, where does the story go with Bailey? It's very interesting. I know four women are in, but man, I'm just not into Shotzi at all. Hope she does well. Yeah, I mean, I hope Shotzi does well too. There's something missing there, though, Sean. I mean, and I don't think you know you and I are the only ones to to point that out. Like, there's just um, you know she's found her spot at the bottom of the card, and I think you know every so often you know she can be slotted higher, but it's not for not because they're pushing her. It's because hey, we don't want Becky or Charlotte or Bianca to do the job. So here, let's 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 have a. Uh, Let's have Shotzi do it, you know? So it's not, it's not even against her. Like, it's not, I just think she's kind of, at this point, tapped out in terms of what she does. She's got the tank thing. She's got a cool look. It's unique. Um, but, like, you just haven't seen much progression from her in the ring. You've not seen much progression from her on the mic. This is kind of where I think she's going to be slotted, um, unless things change drastically. Um, as for Bailey. The, it's really going to be interesting to watch this Bailey thing play out. I mean, and the the root here is Bailey versus Damage Control. Like, I think you're going to have um, the other women in, you know, on that on that team. Yo, Sky, um, uh, who am I? Yo, Sky, <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Yo, Sky, Asuka, and Kyrie Sane, like, like. They're over here like as one. And you kind of saw this on, on SmackDown this past week. And Bailey's kind of on the outside looking in at her own faction. Um, so to me, that tells me like, you know, B 
babyface turns on the horizon for Bailey, but it's not smart to turn babyface by getting dismissed by your heel friends. <laughs> that hasn't worked for, for, for anybody. Nobody. Randy Orton in 04 is something that jumps out. Seth Rollins with the authority is something that jumps out. Sasha Banks turned babyface that way with Bailey. Not all that long ago, five years ago, maybe. Like, it doesn't work. It's not a good way to, to launch your babyface run. Um, so that's what makes this interesting. So, like, you know, how, how does it how does it go down? Like, how does Bailey get out of the group but stay strong as a as a babyface and then a contender for EO Sky's world title? I think that there's a there's an element of like, okay, we have to make Bailey really sympathetic if we're gonna do that. Almost have it feel like like the 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 other members of her group are like picking on her, you know, and then finally she has enough and turns and wants to face EO for the title. Like I think that's how it has to go down. But it's so hard to turn babyface that way. You just don't want to be the 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 act or the character that's dismissed by the heels and and that's that. That does not have good returns uh <laughs> historically. Um hopefully we answered your question there, man. All right. Um Let's get to some other uh, super chats here. Uh, Matt, appreciate you. Thank you for joining the show as always. And you're going to say it again, and I'm going to say it with you. <clears throat> well, I'm not going to say it with you. I'm going to say it for you here with your comment. MJF is mid. My Lord, does this pay-per-view not prove that he's not a top guy? I don't buy it. Every other male match felt bigger and more believable than the main event. It's time for a change. You're talking about full gear. Um yeah, Matt, I mean, Tony Khan disagrees with you <laughs> flat out. Um, MJF got the superstar top guy treatment um, at full gear uh, without question. And I think it's going to be that way for quite some time. <laughs> so, Matt, I apologize to give you that bad news. Um, but I didn't have as big of a problem with the main event as you did. I had a problem with the booking of it. I did not have a problem with the main event itself. I thought the, the main event itself was pretty darn, pretty darn, pretty darn good. And um, for those of you guys that are listening live, um, Tyler Sage, my usual co-host, and I have our own uh, little shop. It's called Brass Ring Media. Um, for members, uh, this week we reviewed Full Gear, uh, top to bottom. We talked a lot about this main event um, and a lot about MJF. So, so Matt and uh, everybody else who's listening, if you want to hear that. Uh, head over to Brass Ring Media. You can find us on Substack, search Brass Ring Media. You can find us on YouTube, search Brass Ring Media. You can find us on Twitter, search Brass Ring Media. And then we're on Patreon as well. If you want a little bit more of what I do and what Tyler does and more of this kind of analysis, um, become a member of Brass Ring Media. It's only four hours and you get all sorts of audio, all sorts of video podcasts, all sorts of written uh, commentary uh, and analysis on pro wrestling. So, uh, we'd certainly love to have you. We'd love to earn your business. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Brass ring media. So hopefully that answers your question there, Matt. Um, also, uh, Matt, thank you for your contributions to the show. I appreciate it. We, we really do. We appreciate the support. It helps us greatly get this thing up and running um, every single week. But Matt says here, where does Orton go after this? Surely we cannot continue with baby faces versus judgment day every week, right? Cody goes to SmackDown for sure. Um, Orton is, I, I mean, so let me take your first question first. Shocking. Shocking, I know. <laughs> Where does Orton, Orton go after this? I think Orton has a ready-made feud, you know, with Drew McIntyre there. I think you can also go Finn Balor. That's been brought up in the chat. I think you can do Randy versus Judgment Day, essentially. You know, you can run through that. Randy hasn't had a feud with, with, with them you know, this, this iteration of judgment day. So you can do Damian priest. You can do Finn Balor. You can do Dominic Mysterio. I mean, how great would Dominic versus uh, Randy be? I mean, can you imagine those promos? <laughs> oh man. Now I'm sitting here and I'm loving that idea. I'm absolutely lo loving that idea. Randy versus Dominic book that that's good stuff. That is good stuff. Period. Um, so I think you, you go, you go that route. And you, and you do that. And then eventually you can get to Seth if you want. Um, and then you can get to Drew McIntyre again. And I think you can you can do some some business there. The, the elephant in the room, if Orton's going to be a heel, is Cody Rhodes. 
I mean, that you can get a lot of mileage out of. The thing is, like when you think about it here, there's not like that many shows left before WrestleMania. You're going to have you don't have a December main roster pay-per-view. Don't have it. And then at the end of January, you have um uh the Royal Rumble, then you've got Elimination Chamber, and then you're at WrestleMania. So there's only two pay-per-views left, and someone can check me on this, but there's only two pay-per-views left before WrestleMania. One of those is the Royal Rumble. So, like, I don't know that you want to do Orton and Rhodes now. Like, that is a match that I think you do after WrestleMania. Once Cody has the title, then you can go to that match. Then that's a huge match. But I just don't think there's enough time to run through a Cody Rhodes versus Randy Orton feud to then get him to WrestleMania ready for Roman Reigns. And by him, I mean, I mean, Cody Rhodes just, it just doesn't seem like there's enough, there's enough time for that. So um, yeah, Cody going to SmackDown. mm, I don't know about that. I don't know that that's a, that that's a move that's going to officially be made because if you think about it, Matt, why do they have to make that move? Why does he have to officially go to SmackDown? I mean, they need star power on Raw. You know, yeah, I guess you can say that it's Seth and it's and it's Randy now with Drew. Um, but Cody can just show up. <laughs> he can show up whatever he wants on SmackDown. He does show up wherever he wants on SmackDown. So, like, I still think you can get to, to, to Cody versus um to Cody versus Roman Reigns just like they did last year and, and not 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 with the rumble win necessarily but but with but just with having him show up when you want him to <laughs> like that's that's that that's that that's it like I think that that's what that's what you need to do and so how does Cody get the shot at Roman that's going to be the question do you do it with a Royal Rumble win again mm, not sure about that not sure about that. They may be a little too heavy-handed. Um, maybe you, maybe something in Elimination Chamber where he wins an opportunity there. Could be. Could easily be. Um, but either way, I don't think he needs to officially go uh, to SmackDown in order to make that happen. Uh, Matt, you sold me on Orton versus Dirty Dom. You're welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. I think it's going to be a heck of, That's going to be a heck of a match. Come on. Come on. There's people out there that are rolling their eyes for sure. But that is going to be a heck of a uh, a heck of a match. Uh, Matt also Orton with Triple H veteran gate Orton as the Triple H veteran gatekeeper is going to be the kick Raw needs in the season. Put him over with the attention of elevating others. Yeah, <clears throat> hard to argue with that. I mean, there's a lot of like there's some good matches for Orton to have. Like I'm going to pull up the roster right now because I mean there's just some fresh stuff that that he can do on on uh, on raw like like we've been through you know a couple of them already Finn Balor for sure Damian Priest for sure Gunther for sure okay so there's 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 three <clears throat> there's three right there then we can go to down to Dominic Mysterio right we can we can do that whole thing scrolling through the list here though and this is just this is just raw talent I'm just I'm going to keep scrolling until you know, this, this, this pops. Okay. Somebody like Bronson Reed, not somebody that you're going to get a pay-per-view match out of, but you can get, uh, uh, you know, a, a TV feud with, with him there, right? You can, you can, you can pull that off. Um, Cody Rhodes is there, obviously Logan Paul. How about that? How about that is something that Randy Orton can do, right? I mean, that's, that's a that's a great match. That's a great match that you can have. Like the veteran Randy Orton and this punk Logan Paul kid. <laughs> like that 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 writes itself. That's writes itself. You have Drew McIntyre, of course. <clears throat> um, let's just I'm just gonna just run through the whole roster here. I'm scrolling. Um, let's see. But I mean, I mean, I've already named like like five people. Jey Uso's another one. There's six. Um, boy, like I don't know. Sami Zayn, they've done that match, but you can do it again. I mean, it's a whole new ball game for without question. I mean, geez, how about um, how about like Johnny Gargano or Tommaso Ciampa? 
not pay-per-view matches, but hey, you you can you can you can do that. You can you can make you can make that you can make that work. So there's so much um, that you can do. Matt also jumping back in. Orton as trip as Triple H to Cena as the Rock. Orton stays and builds and creates wild stories while Cena is gone, and then maybe the two cross paths later. Who boy, I <laughs> I don't know about Orton and Cena. I think that if you watch WWE wrestling in like 20, 2008 to 2012 or 2013, man, you saw your fix of Randy Orton and John Zena. I mean, you got a heavy, heavy dose of that. And there were moments where it lived up to the potential and moments where it didn't. But either way, I think people have seen enough of that where I don't think people will feel the same way as you do that. I don't, that, that match has been done, done, done. <laughs> um, so yeah, not that I didn't hate that. I didn't hate that. I would probably try to sell that as a better rivalry than it gets credit for, but it just, it was done so much that it's hard to argue because it's stale on top of people not, not liking it. So there you have it. Um, guys, we will wrap up there on this Thanksgiving week. Um, I've really, you know, it'll sound cheesy, but it is what it is. Thankful for everybody that checks out this show um, and that supports Tyler and me and SE Scoops and what we do and how we cover pro wrestling. I think we do it the best. Um, and I'm really glad that you guys are out there um, supporting us and that, you know, work to uh, you know, just like to talk wrestling the way you should talk about wrestling. And I think we do it respectfully. I think we, uh, you know, are balanced and it's really, um, really glad that you guys are here with us on a, on a regular, re regular basis. And it, it means a lot and we appreciate it. I hope you and your families have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Sean jumping in. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Become a Brassstring Media member. Yes. Thank you. I hope you decide to do that. Um, as I had mentioned before, Brassring Media, uh, Tyler and I's side shop where we talk wrestling. And we've got a Patreon where you can sign up for $4 a month um, and you get multiple podcasts every single week. You get exclusive written content on our Substack newsletter every single week. You get access to our Brassring Media Discord community where we're talking wrestling and everything in between every single day, everything, every single hour. Um, that's been a blast. Um, you can check it all out at Patreon, patreon.com backslash media. I hope you guys check us out. And there's some free ways to subscribe as well on YouTube, on Substack. You can get some of our free content. But if you want the full experience, the full world unlocked for you, um, please support us on Patreon. It would be a big help. Patreon.com backslash media. But yes, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving. If you celebrate, if you're traveling, stay safe um, and eat a lot of turkey, watch a lot of football, enjoy time with friends and family. Um, I, I, I hope that you have a wonderful rest of the week and we will uh, be back next week, same time, same place, right here, hopefully alongside Tyler Sage. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving and we'll catch you guys real soon. See ya.